You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. If this is your first time checking out Locked On Boston College, we are a daily Boston College podcast where we're going to give you the news, my opinions, and all the things that you need to know about the Eagles in a 25 to 27 minute podcast. It's hosted by me. As I said, my name's AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin, and I've been covering Boston College for years, so you're going to get an insider's perspective on Boston College. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk more about cancellations as basketball got another one thrown at them. We're going to look at some of the news around all around college football and how that affects BC. I want to jump in and talk a a little bit about football players that could have a breakout year. And because there were no games today, there was not really anything to preview because the Virginia Tech-Boston College game was postponed, I am going to answer a question I had that was floating in my mind. It was not a question asked by you, but it was a this or that kind of question, and I'm going to save it to later. And it's going to be about what was a bigger mistake for Boston College, and you could probably guess what the two mistakes are, but I'll get into that. Let's jump into BC scheduling news. So yesterday we had reported that the ACC, along with Boston College, had announced that Boston College and Virginia Tech had postponed their game because of a positive case on the Boston College roster slash staff. On yesterday's episode, I also kind of extrapolated and predicted that on Saturday that their other game would be canceled. That was the game against Pitt. And it only took 24 hours for that to be the case. Now with testing... And the, the need for quarantining and, uh, you know, contact tracing. I just imagine that if you had a positive case on the team, it was going to take a while to get that going. So Boston College, Pittsburgh, it is off. Pitt is going to play Wake Forest instead on Saturday, while Boston College will sit that game out and they'll have that rescheduled. So it's already two games that Boston College now has to reschedule. Now, this is not unique in college basketball. I was just actually talking, again, I mentioned my friend who covers Rhode Island. St. Louis has not even played a conference game, according to him, because they've had such bad issues with COVID on their team. So it's, you know, Boston College has had it pretty good so far. Hopefully they'll get this cleared up, get, you know, get the kids isolated so that they can get their, you know, the COVID out of their system and get back onto the court sooner rather than later. Now onto the NFL, and a few of you have been asking about A.J. Dillon's quad injury. I had reported earlier that Matt LaFleur, the head coach, had announced that he was hopeful that A.J. Dillon would play. A.J. Dillon practiced today. He was a limited participant, but did practice. So that, again, it's still at that questionable 50-50 mark. Um, We'll have to continue to watch to see whether he will play in the NFC Championship against Tampa Bay. Also, there was some more recruiting news. As I reported yesterday, Jadarian Smith, a uh, three-star offensive linebacker slash defensive end out of Louisville, put Boston College in his top four, along with Kentucky, sorry, Louisville, Indiana, and Cincinnati. Now, I talked to Jadarian and got, you know, there's a whole interview up on the site. Check that out. I had to add a little piece to that. I think the big thing that's going to be crucial to getting this kid to commit to Boston College is to get him on campus. And as we know, 
we're still in a dead period for recruiting where recruits can visit campuses on their own, but they can't do anything in terms of interacting with coaches while they're there. They can go and see the buildings. They can see the outsides of facilities, but they can't go in anything. So I think that's going to be crucial if they're going to land him. The bigger name that I wanted to talk about was Jimmy Scott, who is from New York. He was a Tennessee commit and he decommitted from Tennessee after the Vols fired Jeremy Pruitt. Now, earlier, I talked to Jimmy Scott around May when he first got his Boston College offer. That's usually when I start to talk to these kids. And he had Boston College near the top of his list. Now, obviously, he wanted to go to a SEC school, and he picked Tennessee. Now he's back into the swing of things. I asked him today, I said, are you still talking to Boston College? Because, you know, a lot of times in recruiting, if a kid commits somewhere... Coaches may fill that spot. They may move on to someone else that they have, you know, a better, they think it might be a better fit for them. Scott told me that Boston College and he are still talking. So he's an interesting to watch, interesting recruit to watch. He's got a couple other schools that he's also looking at. But I think Jimmy Scott is a name to watch for committing um, in the next couple of months. So keep your eyes on BC Bulletin. I'll keep talking to Jimmy Scott and hopefully I'll get you some more information on that. And because news is kind of slow today, I wanted to talk about basketball transfers and looking specifically at transfers Boston College lost and how they're doing in their uh, new schools. So the big one is obviously Jairus Hamilton, who transferred to Maryland. And I know a lot of BC fans were really bummed. They were like, you know, he's a four-star recruit. This is a kid that could have a big future at Boston College. You know, Jim Christian messed that up, blah, 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 blah. You're, you hear it all. Now, he's at Maryland, who is 8-7, obviously better than Boston College, but still not doing all that great. And how is Hamilton doing? He's averaging 7.5 points per game and 2.8 rebounds, both down from last year. So, I, you know, you saw what you're going to get. I, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen him doing all that much. I mean, in the last month, he's topped off at 10 points. He's played more of a bench role. He's only averaging about uh, 20 minutes a game. So he's like the sixth man off of the bench. But if you look at his statistics and everything he's doing, it's almost parallel slash lower than he was doing at Boston College. So I disagree when fans are saying that we messed up Jarius Hamilton. I think I think Jim Christian got what he's, you know, what he knew what he got with him. And I think he kind of topped out. Now he may take a huge jump, but he's definitely not taking a jump right now. Um, obviously he would be a big, you know, I'd love to have a guy like that off of the bench right now for BC, but you know, he's doing what he's doing over there and hopefully he'll figure things out. Now, the other two that transferred Chris Heron and, um, Julian Rishwain, neither of them have done much of anything. Rishwain is playing for San Francisco and has averaged 6.9 points per game and 2.7. So obviously that's, you know, pretty Similar to what Jarius Hamilton's doing, but you got to consider he's playing for San Francisco, which is, uh, you know, a conference or two lower than what Hamilton's playing at. So not really, really lighting the, the world on fire doing that for San Francisco. Heron has done, I mean, no offense to the kid, but he really hasn't done anything. You know, he's averaging five point minute, five points, uh, 5.8 minutes per game and is averaging a half a point a game. So he's not really doing much of anything for San Diego. Um, so... He's also averaging. He's also shooting fourteen point three percent from the field on the, on the year. So, it's not been a good year. And so you you see these guys, and I I I look at what Jim Christian lost, 
And I look at it more of an indictment of his ability to recruit than his ability to to eva- and evaluate talent than it is what the players were leaving. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's bad that they leave, but he should have known when he got him in that they were not ACC level players or they were not going to be able to contribute at an ACC level when he got them in, but he didn't. And then they just kind of just flop out somewhere else. This has happened everywhere. I mean, with him, you know, he had Sammy Barnes Tompkins, you know, he would look like he was going to be a big player, ended up as a D2 player. So it's just the, the, some of the players that Christian has brought into the program have not ended up being ACC level talent. And I think, Hamilton probably will be a top-level prospect at some point. He's not going to be an elite prospect, but he'll be a serviceable, you know, power school pro- uh, prospect. But a lot of these guys just end up being middling guys that should never have been on an ACC program. No offense to Julian Ray- Richwain and Chris Heron Jr. They just, just didn't fit. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about one of the articles that we wrote about, about players that are going to emerge in 2021. But first, I want to talk to you about my friends over at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Now, if you're fixing an old car, a new car, a car that you've had for a couple years, or something that you've been working on, rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account logins. Best of all, Rock Autos are always low and they have a catalog. You gotta check this out. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate and they have tons of parts for everything, whether it's modules or brake parts, tail lamps, motor oils, or even new carpets. They're going to have it at rockauto.com. All you got to do is put in your car and make and model, put it in, and they're going to tell you everything that they have at rockauto.com. Now, when you go to rockauto.com and you make your order, make sure that afterwards you write in locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Lockauto.com. Now I want to talk to you about Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, I recommend listening to Locked On Bets with your boy Q from Locked On Raiders and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, NBA, NHL. Heck, even today they had mixed martial arts on there. They're going to give you it all. All you need to do is listen and subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Boston College, this is AJ Black. Thank you all so much for listening. I am the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. On our site earlier on Wednesday, I had written a post about five players that I could see emerging as bigger players in 2021. Now, it would be kind of boring to listen to me just kind of rehash the five that I picked. But I'll just give you a quick overview of the five I play. I picked as players that could jump up. Deion Jones, safety. I thought he had a great year, was one of the best defenders Boston College had, but he was not like a star. I think he could get to that level. Same thing with Josh DeBerry. Josh DeBerry was the number two cornerback on this team. I thought he played at a level just as good as Brandon Sebastian and will provide 
you know, one of the best cornerback pairings in the ACC in 2021. So those were my two. I put two in the secondary. Go figure. Isaiah Graham Mobley, the new linebacker from Temple. I think there's going to be someone that's going to have to step up at the linebacker position, and I think it's him because I think he fits perfectly into what Jeff Halfley and Tem Lokabu are going to be on defense. I also think on offense, I put Jalen Gill, which many of you are like, oh, he is a star already. Not really. You know, he was the number three option on, on offense. He had some big plays. I think those big plays are going to turn into even bigger plays on offense in 2021. And I didn't put it in the post, but I think his special teams play, we saw a couple plays where it got called back for, you know, bad blocks in the back. I think he might pull a, a return or two next year. So Jalen Gill, I'm going to I put on my list as well. And the fifth one, and again, it was a surprise that people might might be surprised that I put him on there, was David Bailey. You know, he was a star in 2019 as part of the Buffalo Boys with A.J. Dillon. They were two heavy, big backs that could, you know, wear down defenses, and they kind of played off of each other. I thought he, had, you know, as many of you did, I thought he had an off year in 2020. His yards per carry dropped a yard and a half. I thought he went down a lot easier than he did in 2019. I expect they're going to figure something out with him. Um, if he's, you know, if he's still the, the the running back number one next year. And he will be much more effective in 2021 uh, for Boston College. So those were the five I picked. But I wanted to give you a couple of my honorable mentions. So if you want to read those five, I have a whole explanation why I picked all five on the website. Go to bcbulletin.com. Today, I want to tell you the other three. And these were three that didn't make my list, but were like right there. First of all, defensive lineman Cam Horsley was one. Now, this was a kid that in camp was in a, was a beast. Like every time that I got an email, because we couldn't go to the practices, I got an email from Jason Baum about like big plays that were happening at practice. Cam Horsley was like, you know, blocked a kick, had a sack, stripped a fumble, made a big play. He didn't get to start all that often because BC had three defensive tackles that were playing in front of him. Luke Beckett, uh, Wuka, and TJ Ram were all playing in front of him. Now, we don't know what the defensive tackle position is going to look like. As I said before, it sounds like, based off what I read on Instagram, that Luke Beckett is at least gone. It sounds like he probably won't be back. Now, you may have and Wuka, you may have TJ Ram, but you're definitely going to have Cam Horsley, and you started to see him make plays at the end of last year. Now, he was only a freshman in 2020. He already got onto the field. He already started making plays. You know, at that position, at defensive tackle, they grow into players there. And I think Cam Horsley could be the next big defensive tackle. Now, I'm not talking like BJ Raji yet. I got to see more out of him to see where he gets to. But I could see him being a very solid ACC defensive tackle and one that makes big plays, ones that can get pressure on the quarterbacks or the kind that can kind of, you know, just shoot up the gut and make plays on running backs and uh, running quarterbacks. So Cam Horsley is one I want to watch out for in 2021. Number two on my list is Charlie Gordonier. And I'm probably saying his name wrong, and I apologize. I know some of his family members listen to this podcast. Now, Hunter Long is, has left. He's entering the NFL draft. And those are humongous shoes to fill. Boston College does not have an answer right now that I've seen on, on the field that could f- do what he does. Spencer Witter did a nice job. He'll be a, he's a 
perfect tight end number two. You know, a guy that can make some plays. He's a good blocker. I like what Witter does, but I don't think he does what Hunter Long uh, is able to do in the passing game. He's not that kind of dynamic passer that Phil Jakovic could really exploit all the time. He can at points, but I don't think he can do it consistently. Now, when I was looking at two tight ends that could possibly become those pass-catching tight ends, two came to mind, and I, I could totally be wrong on who they pick. Joey Lucchetti, who was, you know, he's a former basketball player. He's a big guy. I think he's athletic. Uh, you know, a former Lawrence Academy player. I, I Something about him, I think, could actually work if Frank Signetti could just kind of fine-tune him as a pass catcher. But I'm going to go with Gordon here. I've heard so much about him as in terms of, like, being a physical, you know, pass catcher who's going to be, you know, that he's got, you know, the, the talk about him is at another level. And I have yet to see him because we can't get to practices, but I've heard a lot about him. So... I'm going to think, I'm going to just stick with him. That's my guess for now. I'm going to probably be totally wrong. I'll probably be able to chatty next year. But at tight end, I'll say Charlie Gordonier will be my other person to watch. And my third person that I want to watch and I think uh, could have a big year next year is on special teams. And that's going to be Connor Lighton, the new tight uh, kicker for Boston College. He doesn't make my list of my top five originally because just like everyone else, there's so much confusion on who's doing what next year. We get like drips and drabs of who's declaring for the NFL, who's coming back. But as someone who covers the team, it's kind of aggravating because you're like, oh, Max Richardson's coming back. But at that point, Isaiah McDuffie's still on the team. But no, he's now declaring. You can't like formulate a plan on what BC could do. And, you know, this is just media griping here, but... I think the same thing with kickers, because you got Aaron Bumeri, who finished his fifth year with Boston College, but because of the NCAA rules, he could technically come back next year if he wanted to, but we don't know that yet. He hasn't announced anything. Boston College hasn't announced anything, so we're kind of left in the lurch here. Uh, and you know, maybe these answer questions will all answer be answered when they release the spring roster, but we haven't heard that yet. So if Bumeri leaves again, this just like just like with Gordonier. It's kind of up in the air. If Bumeri leaves, look for Connor Lighton to be the starting kicker in 2021. And the way that uh, Matt Thurin, the special teams coordinator, did with, uh, you know, the work that he did with the special teams, especially the kickers, I thought he did an excellent job. Connor Lighton was one of the top kicking recruits uh, on some of the site, on the, some of the recruiting sites in 2021's recruiting class. So I expect him to jump right in. And I, you know, based off of what I've seen in his film, the, the his range, he could be, you know, the starting kicker and be able to kick field goals for Boston College, you know, from 30 to 45 plus yards consistently. But we'll have to see that. So those are my three. I'd love to hear what you have to think. Who do you think is going to jump up and take that next step next year for Boston College? Who will be those players that don't get the headlines who I don't talk about right now that will be those players come next September and October that we're all talking about who make big plays? Hit me up on Twitter at LockedOnBC. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. In a moment, we're going to talk about a question that I had in my brain that I want to kind of get onto tape to give you guys my thoughts on something. And it involves basketball 
and football. So you're going to want to hear that when we come back. But before we do, I want to talk to you about betonline.ag. This weekend is football championship weekend, and there's spreads, over-unders, and everything that you need to make your wagers on at betonline.ag. On the Locked On Network, there's only one place that we go and that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Now, when you go over there and you sign up for a free account, they're going to give you an industry-best 50% welcome bonus. So you could go for football. They have everything there. Now, during this week, they had political um, prop bets that you could do. You could bet on who Donald Trump would uh, pardon. You could bet on inauguration uh, lengths of speeches, The how many times Joe Biden was going to flub up his speech. You can bet it all. It's all on betonline.ag. So make sure you don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on that action. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you follow Locked On Boston College on Twitter at Locked On BC or at Boston College SI on Twitter and Facebook. This is AJ Black, Locked On Boston College. In our final segment, there has been a conversation that I've seen all over Boston College communities that I wanted to address today. And that is, it's and it's going back in time a little bit, but let's talk about it because I, I think it's always t- fun to talk a little BC history. What was the worst Boston College move in the last 20 years? Was it the firing of Al Skinner or Jeff Jagosinski? And it's been something that I think a lot of people have kind of bantered about. And... And I have my answer. And it's it's one of those like Sophie's choices. One of these, both of these are terrible decisions. Obviously, Jeff Jagosinski was fired for interviewing with the Jets. And Al Skinner was fired for not progressing for past the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, so when you look at it for me, the, the bigger loss for Boston College, the dumber move for me, it, it's tough. But I'm going to say firing Al Skinner. Now, I think for first of all, Jeff Jagosinski, I think is a tad bit overrated as a coach. You know, he stumbled into one of the best situations you can in football. He had, you know, obviously an NFL MVP quarterback. He had a defense that was all recruited by Tom O'Brien and was able to to do that with Dana Bible, who was one, you know, and, and Steve Logan, who are two very good, you know, coordinators. Um, I th- I think there are other coaches that could have done that. And I, I think the gleam on Jagosinski would have kind of faded because as much as fans will love him, I don't think he is as good of a coach as people think he is. Because obviously, you know, you, you look around the NCAA, good coaches find their way back into big per- positions, right? You see Bobby Petrino. He has that whole incident in Arkansas he gets hired by Louisville. You get, you know, Urban Meyer. He gets hired. And, and, and it happens everywhere. So if Jeff Jagosinski was that good of a coach, there's no way Gene DiFilippo would have blackballed him so no one would hire him. I'm sorry. That's kind of just delusional thinking. That would never happen. Now, Al Skinner, the knock on him was that near the end, he was not recruiting the level that he would have. But he did. I think the last recruiting class, he w- lost a guy, because I think it was after he got fired, that ended up at Baylor, that brought them 
up to the top of the Big 12. That kid would have probably stayed at Boston College if Al Skinner wasn't fired. But I think losing Al Skinner with a with a system like he had that, you know, the the flex offense and his system was able to, you know, it was kind of gimmicky, but it got Boston College wins. And it got Boston College into the tournament, which is miles above where Boston College is now. I think if Jagosinski stayed around, BC would not have made ACC championships, and he would have gotten probably to the point where Adazio was, like, like a 7-6 and six coach or whatever. I think Al Skinner could have continued, based off his system that he used, I think he could have continued having Boston College basketball be successful. Now, would they have got over the hump in the tournaments? No. He would never have gotten back to the Sweet 16 like he did you know, with some of those earlier teams. But okay, I mean, we look at where Boston College basketball is now. You have a team that's 3-10. and 10. You have Jim Christian winning 33% of his, his games and like 20% of his ACC games. Wouldn't you kill to have a coach that got you consistently to the tournament, even if you flopped every other year? I think all of us would like that because we haven't seen BC in a tournament since 2008, 2007, I think it is. It's almost 15 years at now. You've had Steve Donahue do nothing. You've had Jim Christian do nothing. I think Al Skinner would have had a couple more years of sustained success and had this basketball program in a better position than they are now. And so I think the bigger, dumber move for Boston College Athletics was firing Al Skinner. Um, the, the in terms of reasonings, the the Jagosinski one is way dumber because <laughs> firing someone for looking at a job is really stupid. But I think in terms of impacting the athletic program, the firing of Al Skinner was by far the worst move Boston College could make. Now this is a loaded conversation, and I'm sure many of you disagree with me. Hit me up on Twitter at ajblack underscore bc or at Locked On BC and tell me why I, I am wrong. Because I love to hear I love to hear what you guys have to say because everyone has their own opinions, their own theories of what you know, a topic like this. Uh, now next week, I hope you guys are still listening to this to this episode, we're gonna have former Boston College defensive end Richard Jurgen on the program to talk about what he's been doing since graduating from Boston College. Now he's got an interesting story. He was in a major car accident when he was playing for Clemson and was able to get back on the field and play for Boston College in 2019. And we're going to talk to him about that and his new uh, endeavor. And we're going to continue to just, you know, talk about what's going on in Boston College sports. So this is, you know, we've got some great stuff coming up. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you subscribe and like us wherever you get your podcasts. If you are listening on Apple, I would love a five-star review if you don't mind. And write us a little quick little review that says, you know, I love AJ's podcast. He's knowledgeable. Tell us why you like it. Um, it really does help other people find our podcast. And if you do like this and you have BC friends and family, recommend this to uh, to them. Say, hey, you know, I know you guys like Boston College sports. Check us out while you're doing dishes and, you know, cooking dinner. It's a great way to get some BC news to you. Uh, so th- I would really appreciate it. It it's, it's means a lot and it's the easiest way for more people to find our podcast. So this is me signing off. We'll be back again for Friday's episode. Uh, Keep sending us your mailbag questions at Boston College SI or Boston College SI at gmail.com. I already got about half a dozen and we're looking for more. We will talk to you again soon and take care, everyone.